Yeah, man. Have you seen any patriotic movies that didn't do well? Not that I can think of. No. All I can think of is the World Trade movie. The okay. one with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. God, okay. that movie was not well received. You saw it? I saw part of it and I couldn't watch it. I was like, uh... I didn't see it because I lived it. Yeah. Growing up in Jersey? Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, I remember everybody was worried about that, too. Like, all these movies that were going to come out. There was a lot of, like, firefighter movies and cop movies. And Ladder 49 was a good one, but... Remember that one? Another depressing movie. A lot of these movies are depressing. Big Uh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Most fire... Why are there so many depressing firefighter movies? And then the only one I can think of that isn't a depressing firefighter movie is uh, Chuck and Larry. That's gay. That's, yeah. It's a good movie, though. Committing committing marriage fraud is very funny. Yeah. Have you seen 90 Day Fiance? Oh, God. I used to have a joke about the people from 90 Day Fiance. I'm like, uh, how introverts end up on 90 Day Fiance. Like, all those guys used to be at their basement bashing women. And then once they got to a certain age, they're like, oh, now I gotta buy a chick. And then they go overseas and they try and get a Filipino girl or, like, an Eastern European one and fucking bring them over. Gotta hate that show. I don't know any better. No. That's well, the way out. They do. They fucking know. Oh, they know the price? Oh, they fucking they know. know the price. I ran into Big Ed once. Here? From 90, yeah, because he lives in San Diego. He frequents North Park, the North Park neighborhood. I was at Target, and I saw him. I didn't literally run into him, but I saw him. I walked past him, and he is a tiny, tiny man. Yeah, he doesn't run. He, I don't think he even walks. He kind of wobbles. Yeah, he walks. He looks like Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. I was going to say, he looks like the penguin. Yeah, yep. He's he's very egg-like. When I think about Humpty Dumpty. Poor guy. Man, you know he's had like three, four women on TV with him? I bet. Yeah, like he keeps coming back. And they're like, like he was going to marry when that was like 28. The guy's like 50 years old. Yeah, he's he's got a daughter, I think. That's crazy. Now, I don't know if that's already common knowledge of anybody who watched it, but when I saw him in person, he was holding a young girl's hand. Maybe that was one of his mail-order brides. <laughs> she appeared to probably have been about 11, 12, and oh, okay. she was already taller than him. Like, you know how girls hit their growth spurts at that age, and they're yeah. taller than boys for a little while, and then, yeah. So she was definitely taller than him, but they were holding hands, but, like, cupped, you know, not fingers laced kind of deal, yeah. hands cupped, so I, it looked very like a... And it's a familial father-daughter thing. So I assumed that that was his daughter. We're not accusing Big Ed of anything, though. Like, I don't want to accuse him of child We're not. Yeah. We can't control what you think. No, though. yeah. I bet we could get him on the show, though. Probably. Because she- Cheyenne says that the dude loves... A par- I felt bad for him for a second. I was like, oh, poor guy probably, you know, is probably running into people in town all the time. We're like, oh, Big Ed, Big Ed. And she's like, no, he, he, he loves it. No, for sure he wants to be famous. Yeah, yeah he does wild shit. Who puts themselves on TV after being dumped and then continuously puts themselves on TV? I don't know how anybody can go on to any type of reality show today in the year 2022 and not... Like, you have to be in on the joke. You have to already be aware and, like, cognizant of the fact that, like, almost anything that you say, regardless of intention, is going to be distorted for views. They're going to cut it before a commercial break for a cliffhanger. They're going to make you look to be... You know, if they need a villain for the episode, they can cut everything to make you be the villain of the episode. Yeah, they used to do it with like Survivor all the time it would be the one person on the show was an asshole and in the end it turns out like they were the most qualified just they were chosen to be the villain mm-hmm. I feel like I would like to be the villain on if I were on Survivor I bet it's a lot of fun because I've watched Survivor you know it's not a regular show but a couple summers ago Cheyenne and I got really into it and there was a guy who just lied to everyone you know and like he fully owned his role as the villain the producers didn't need to cut him into being the villain he fully stepped up and he's like yep that's me I'm your guy yeah and this dude stepped up and like played the role so well and I was like I bet that's a lot of fun you know what I think about nowadays is how all those shows like all these game shows and, and reality TV shows remember how they all used to have a prize at the end and sure. it was like 10,000 15,000 oh, yeah. and I'm like god that's like three months of rent now like that's yeah. nothing now you see that on a lot of the old episodes of like um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and um, a lot of the trivia shows where they're like oh you've won $10,000 wow yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still a lot of money for some people, but that's after you always have to take into account the uh, taxes on prize winnings, too. Yeah, and I never understood that. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. I just want all my money. I found out that if you get the lottery, they take, like, half of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. To be fair, if you're still smart about your lottery winnings afterward, like, let's say you won $300 million after taxes and all that stuff, because yeah. you can choose... If I'm remembering correctly, if I understood what I've read in the past correctly, you have two options. You can take it after taxes and have it paid out to you 
let's say once a month. You get one payment a month, or you can take a lump sum at an even lower cost yeah. or total. So let's say you get $300 million lottery winnings, and after taxes, you're taking home $150 million. Still a lot of money. Yeah. Still a lot of money for people. That's enough. I could live off that for the rest of my life for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, obviously wealth breeds wealth so you put it in the right channels you find a money manager accountant whatever who does the right things you'll never have to work again in your life your family probably never will either yeah but that's assuming of course that you're taking it you know one check per month for 30 years for example or you can take the lump sum and now instead of 150 million dollars spread out over 30 years you're getting 80 million still a lot of money yeah i'll still take that any day of the week but again it's just about you know, making sure you're doing the right things. And again, wealth begets wealth. So putting it in the right places and the right investments and all that stuff. But yeah, it goes quick. It goes, it's never as much as it appears to be. Well, no, and there's a statistic where it's like 80% of people who win the lottery lose it within the first 10 years. They're oh, like gone. filing for bankruptcy. And 10 years like is, is even surprising yeah, to me. I feel I like that's five, a lot. Yeah, yeah. three to but five they years. they always lose all their money and they're like homeless at one point. I'm like, how though? What did you buy? But it's always like um, giving people money. Well, that it's. It, I feel like it's um, misleading too, because like you said, if you're winning a three hundred million dollar jackpot, you're not taking home three hundred million dollars. No, you're just not. Or in the case of the people who do choose to take the monthly paycheck, yeah, that's. I don't know. Let's just assume someone's making you know an extra ten thousand dollars a month in just their lottery winnings. You can blow through ten thousand dollars. Oh, a month. easy, easy. Yeah. So I can definitely see that. We're like, okay, I got a ten. I got to check the ten thousand dollars in the first of the month. It's gone by the fourth. What am I going to do for the rest of the month? Yeah. I don't have any groceries. I don't, yeah, you know, and I went out and I bought a car and I bought a house and I gave all my friends money and we went partying and we got a yacht. Yeah, after that first month, you're screwed. And yeah. if you, that's why, like, a lot of people, I've seen these TikToks or YouTube or whatever where they suggest it's like you take the lump sum and then you give it all to like a money management yeah. person and then you just live off of like interest and then just live off the interest and like put everything into bonds and savings, all this other shit. And I'm like, nah, I want to blow it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure like part of winning the lottery is like, I think that at some point is going to, that's your prize. Like the prize is to be able to be as reckless as yeah. you possibly want with it. I'm going to buy a block in San Diego, just a whole there block. There you go. That's all I can afford. That's $80 million. And when you say block, you're literally talking about a block of the sidewalk. You know, yeah. You know? no, that's, it's fucking expensive. Just a chunk of the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always like old videos and stuff of people who had a good amount of land and they had like the main house and then they would have... Like little shacks. They wouldn't really necessarily be pop-up homes, but they would be, you know, a good size, like a double-wide, triple-wide shed that yeah. they would convert into. Okay, you go to, and then you got your little Main Street. I always thought that was really cool, uh, the idea of, like, people who would then have a little Main Street area on their property yeah. a couple yards away from the, uh, the main house, and then they would have, you know, a shed that was the barn. They had a shed that was the arcade. They had a shed that was, like, you know, the movie theater. I don't know. They're called Mormons. No, I'm just kidding. They're called polygamists. Sister Nothing wise. against the Mormons, but that's what they're called. I know over there where my parents live in San Jacinto, on Gilman Springs Road, there's a Scientology center there, and it's like their jail. It's like their ref like their reform center. Okay. So when people fuck up, they send them there. Or that's like the rumor. And there's like when tunnels their under the are highway. Too low? Yeah. But there's like tunnels under the highway. And then they have I think they're called Golden Era Productions. Okay. And when I was growing up everyone's like, Oh, that's a porn studio but it turns out it's like for their Propaganda. Yeah, it's yeah. propaganda. They're like their own broadcasting network, probably yeah. a radio station, probably a TV station. It's this huge. What does like Scientologist entertainment look like? You know what? I'm going to be honest. I bet you that they have better funding than like these evangelical ones. Oh, have you ever seen yeah. those where it's like grandpa goes to college and yeah. he's like trying to convince everybody that Jesus, like uh, that they're learning all these bad things. And supposedly every professor is atheist. God doesn't exist. It's yeah. the first thing. It's how they open up a class. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Welcome to, yeah, you go to class. Imagine sitting down in a class and you're like, welcome to, you know, what's a funny class? Like, welcome to home act. God doesn't exist yeah, here. God doesn't exist. And that's the thing. They always make these movies seem like that. I'm pretty sure Scientologists are close enough. But they really make it seem like you walk into a college classroom and it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's like, all right, everybody fuck each other in the ass. And we don't believe in Jesus. And then it's like a crazy sex orgy. I guess from their perspective, you could just lean back and just say, look, we're not fucking each other in the ass. Yeah. The aliens inside yeah. of us are yeah. fucking each other in the ass. Every time I find out somebody's Scientologist, it's weird. Like when actors are Scientologists, I'm like, oh, fuck. Remember Kabbalah? Oh, yeah. What happened to that? Madonna. Mm -hmm. She brought it and ruined it. Like she like started an Ashton Kutcher. Oh, he was Kabbalah too? Yeah. 
I remember that everybody had the little red bracelet. Oh. So I'm digging into some early 2000s. That's crazy. Here. Yeah. Topher, what's her name? Topher Grace? Uh-huh. From that 70s show? Right. I just went through the whole, se- the, all the 70s show? Yeah, no, he was in... That Kabbalah show? Yeah. That no, he was in Ocean's 12. Was he? he was in the Ocean's 11 movies. Okay. And he was in Ocean's 12 and supposedly uh, Brad Pitt's character owns a hotel and he trashes it. And he's like, oh, it's like this Kabbalah crap doesn't even work. And he rips off the little red thing. And that's that's one of the first times I really paid attention to, like, Kabbalah. That's right. I thought that was just, like, a sect of Judaism. It is. Yeah. Um, Very I, hippie Judaism, right? I really can't speak to it. I mean, yeah. I never really followed it or kept too, kept up too closely with what people were doing. But I remember it being, like, the hot religion for, for a while. Like you said, Madonna. Yeah. Demi Moore, Ashton Kutcher, maybe Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. I don't know. I just remember seeing those red bracelets. And uh, and it was popping up more and more and more. I just know that I can't judge people because I was raised Catholic. So it's like, uh, we... You've got enough insane theories as it is. Yeah, it's yeah. too much. Please rise, now be seated. Yeah. Please rise, now be seated. Calisthenics and yeah. shit. And... <laughs> Those quads are tight. You'll thank us later. Yeah. It's the Lord working through you. Yeah. And then your 10% is like, all right, now we're going to pass the basket. We're going to pass it again and again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I think Scientology is going to outlast us all, though. Well, yeah. I mean, if we're all aliens. Yeah. Gonna... I think they're going to be the ones that are right. Tom Cruise is going to be somewhere, just yeah. floating in the ether. And he's like, I told you. I fucking told you. What do you think I was making all those movies? Why do you think I was working so hard? To spread the message. Yeah. Yeah. You think a human could jump off of a building and land on an airplane? Live and that long yeah. and look that young. Right, yeah. Do you think Top Gun is just Scientology? That's a fucking vampire. He's not, a science, just... he's not an alien. He's a vampire. It's just Scientology propaganda. That's what Top Gun is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, American propaganda. With Scientology. Yes. Yeah, because it's like... They're all in bed with each other. 50-something-year-old fighter pilots. We're going to say this now, and then we're going to regret it when this shows up on, like, Coast to Coast AM. Someone's going to call in and be like, uh, George Norrie, yeah, I don't know if he's still the host anymore, you know, I was, I was listening to a show, and these guys really stumbled onto something. Tom Cruise is the, the ringleader of a patriotic propaganda Scientology. They're all in bed together. Yeah. Fuck okay. it. Whatever's going to happen, let it happen. There's no order. It's all chaos. But just be good people. Just be good to each other. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Pretty Good Flick, the show where we talk about movies and the special place they hold in our hearts. The spot right next to the... I don't know if you knew this, Marl. uh, It's right next to the spot that hurts when the Padres lose on your birthday. Fuck, that did hurt. Yeah, it's a bad spot, but it was a good day. Uh, Anyway, I'm Ant Muni, here today with Mara Monreal in beautiful San Diego. Uh, We did have a good weekend, though. Uh, We celebrated your birthday, had some tacos, had some beer. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, it was great, man. I haven't had a good birthday like that in a long time, especially since COVID and shit like that. And tacos and beer are always fucking great. And despite the Padres losing, it was a hell of a game. And and a sunburn. And a sunburn. (laughs) But we had great seats. Yep. Great seats right behind first base. Mm -hmm. And... uh, buddy vince came from vegas your buddy vince from jersey mm-hmm. came from vegas that's a tongue twister but it was fun it was super yeah. fun yeah we had a good time good i'm glad you had a good time had uh, enjoyed yourself so we're gonna get into it today but before we do we gotta start as always a little a little segment a little segue we got a, yeah. a little foreplay you know you can't just go right into it you can't just run into a dry no, you gotta be gentle. You yeah. gotta We're married men. We know we know from yeah. foreplay, man. We know we gotta get in there. You gotta romance a little bit. And the foreplay doesn't start when you get into the bedroom. The foreplay starts when you wake up in the morning and what do you do? You make her coffee, right? Tell her she looks beautiful. You know, you should do that anyway, right? But you start the day, you start the foreplay real early, real subtle. Yeah. You know? Dishes. Open the door for them. Flowers. Flowers. Make sure you pay the rent. That way when they ask you to just pay the rent, I'm already on it, baby. I already did it. It's done. Don't need to worry about it. We're going to do something a little different today. It's summer movie season, so we're going to take a moment to recognize the actor with the most summer blockbuster hits. Nobody hits better than the legend himself, Will Smith. Yeah, he hits. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the guy's crazy. The guy has done over $4.8 billion in blockbuster hits with movies like Hitchcock, The Men in Blacks, Wild Wild West, and some other movies that we're going to talk about more later. Truth be told, I love almost every Will Smith movie he puts out. And like I said, we're going to talk more about his amazing blockbuster hits. Yeah, absolutely. Who can remember After Earth? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not keep the people waiting. We've got a fun show today, very on theme with the upcoming holiday, the 4th of July. Yeah, and in honor of 4th of July, we thought we'd talk about some of the most patriotic movies ever made. 
We're talking about taxation without representation, light beer, and more propaganda than you can shake a stick at. Also aliens. Aliens. On that note, I'll kick us off today. When talking about patriotism, I think we have to start at the most logical place, and that is the beginning. Let's explore 2000's The Patriot, starring Mel Gibson. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how the movie came out 22 years ago. I remember watching it in school, actually. The teacher wheeled in that massive contraption with the tube TV strapped to the top, you know? But it was a simpler time back then. It was a time before 9-11, before Facebook, and before the fedora elbowed its way into the forefront of American fashion. Fucking hipsters. Yeah, when we were all at ease... Simpler times. <laughs> to summarize, Mel Gibson plays peaceful farmer Benjamin Martin, who is... That's a good one. Benjamin Martin, right? Yeah. A little Benjamin Franklin. A little... Another guy named Martin. Someone Martin. President Martin. Rutherford B. Martin. Some colonial. I don't fucking... <laughs> Were there any Martin presidents? President Martin. Uh, to summarize, Mel Gibson plays peaceful farmer Benjamin Martin who is driven to lead the colonial militia during the American Revolution when a sadistic British officer murders his son. Do you remember who played the son? I I remember the son's face. I don't remember the actor's name. If you had to guess who played the son, who would you pick? There was... Okay, one of his sons was was Heath Ledger. Yeah, you got it. That was the oldest one, but the one that... Oh, shit, he had a second son? The one that was murdered in the beginning that drove him to fight. Oh, it wasn't Heath Ledger who died? He died later in the movie. And in real life, too. And real life. All right. Life does, life does imitate art, doesn't it? Yeah. But no, the first son to die was younger. He was 14, I think, in the movie. The prime of his life. Yeah. And he, he was... just ready to be a father back then. <laughs> I forgot the actor's name, but he came out in Small Soldiers. Okay. But he was one of those actors that was in everything as a teenager and then never did anything as an adult. That sounds about right. But... Almost like me. Wait... I peaked at my teenage years. You peaked? No, I, never... <laughs> I was like, you acted? Like... Hey, every day is an act. Yeah, I'm going to find a day. sitcom with you in it as a kid. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a, uh, an actor. So Heath Ledger plays a son, not the son, but yeah. the young son. He's killed by a British lad. Everyone's bummed. Everyone takes the phrase, actions speak louder than words, a little too literally, and a battle begins. Uh, Mara, on a scale of 1 to 10, how patriotic would you rate the Patriot. No, The Patriot for sure is a 10 out of 10 patriotic movie. On the and patriotism I'll, scale. I'll tell you why. There's a scene with Heath Ledger before mm-hmm. he dies. And he's he picks up this American flag. Mm. And he's like, throughout the movie, he's sewing it up and he's like cleaning it up. And How it's many like stars the, were on the flag back then? It was 13. The Colonies? Yeah, it was the original, like the Betsy Roth Betsy flag. Ross was the bitch. Yeah. And then she's got a bridge named after her and everything. She, it, he was like, he would sew the flag. And then later in the movie, spoiler alert, he dies mm-hmm. by the same officer who kills the it, first son. 22 years is way beyond the statute of limitations for a spoiler. So You'd I think be we're surprised good. how people act. If you want to give us a hard time about spoiling The Patriot for you, a yeah. film I'm sure if you haven't seen it already, you were never going to watch it. Yeah. Um, let but, me hear it. Sound off. Yeah. Go watch it. PGFpod at gmail.com. But yeah, so he's sewing the flag. And then, like, throughout the movie, they're, like, winning and losing battles and ups and downs of the war. He dies. And then later in the movie, Mel Gibson, like, charges into battle with that flag. And it's, like, super patriotic. And everybody's running away. And he's, like... The music starts to swell. Yeah. And and then they beat fucking General Cornwallis. And it's, like, the the world will change after today and some shit like that. It's, like, no shit. Yeah. But, yeah. What do you think? What, What about... Well, what about as a movie, though? 10 out of 10 on the patriotism scale. What about his movie? The obvious, it's like super propaganda. Like it's a eight out of ten because really good acting in that movie. Really? Yeah, I like I like the movie. Cool. I'll rewatch it every now and then just to watch it. I'm like, it's Mel Gibson. Now. It's not as good as Braveheart, but it's really close. It's really close to how good Braveheart was. Kind of the same. Now the yes. same exact movie. Super same story same style. Yeah, but the Braveheart was. I think Braveheart's the better movie. Yeah. It's also the more recognizable. Like, yes. Yeah. But The Patriot is almost as good. Bold in my proclamation. Opinion. Yeah, in my opinion. As far as like Mel Gibson movies, that's that's probably the most Mel Gibson movie except The Passion of the Christ. Mm. Yeah, we yeah. can forget. Yeah, but that's for sure. I would say 8 out of 10 movie, 10 out of 10 patriotic film. Good for you. Okay. I don't I don't care about it. I give it a 2 out of 10. I don't care. <laughs> 
You don't like it at all? I don't, I don't remember anything from it. I remember the... Uh, I couldn't even remember which son died. I, there's a complete character I forgot about. I don't give a shit about it. Yeah, I'll never watch it again. Unless it's... Maybe when I'm an old, old man, you know, where I'm, like, kind of sitting in my recliner, my lazy boy, and I just got the TV on in the background, I'll fall asleep. I don't know. I can't even remember the last time I've seen that movie, like, on TV. And you'd think I'd have memories of watching it as a kid on 4th of July, but when you're a kid, you're running around playing, shooting off sparklers and... You know, those little Chinese firecrackers, yeah. you throw them on the ground. We had those all the time. That's you used a to movie. put them. You used to put them in your hand and smack people in the face with them. That's a movie I put on when I'm when I have like new furniture from IKEA that I have to put together. Uh, okay. I know it's going to take me two hours to but put you this need shelf the, together. Yeah, you need the um, the swelling there. music and, yeah. and the, like the rallying. Okay, yeah, yeah it I gets me all that. high. It gets you pumped. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, God damn it, I am an American. I'm going to build this Swedish furniture. Yeah, exactly. No, but I am an American in Mexican and Native American land and I'm going to build the Swedish furniture and I'm going to pay my rent to a company that is, exists in Europe. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to drive my car which is not also also not built from anything made in America. No, but I drive a Ford because I'm an American. I which to, is also not made in America. We used to have this joke that we would tell guys that were like obviously a little racist. My dad would tell them just a my touch, dad just was, a hint. Yeah, no, you could tell. My dad works in construction, and there's always some, like, racist hillbilly. It's like a LaCroix. It's like the LaCroix of racism. Yeah. Just, just a, a hint there. Yeah, they used to tell my dad he was one of the good Mexicans. Oh, okay. Oh, you're one of the good ones, Mauro. And oh, I, my yeah. dad would be like, what the fuck? But we would make fun of them because they all had, like, Japanese cars mm-hmm. or German cars. And my dad's like, I'm a real American. I drive a Ford. And these guys would be like, uh, 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 And he's like, I spend my money in America. And we, we just love telling people like that's like, oh, you drive a Toyota truck? Ooh, you're real American. They get all pissed. I think that there was a report that came out not long ago about that, though, where um, they had explored, you know, all the cars, which ones actually were the most American as far as, like, where the parts were made and yeah. where they were assembled. And Ford and Dodge and GM were, like, way down. They were, like... I think they were still technically in the top ten, but they were down there. They were like seven, eight, nine, respectively, or something. Yeah, most um, most American trucks are built in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing, they're even like half the time they're not even assembled here. No, and they're assembled in Mexico, so that's why my dad was like, "Yeah, American trucks," but really they're Mexican trucks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I give it a two out of ten for me. I don't care. I don't care about the Patriot. Uh, it is not a certified pretty good flick in my book. I may change my tune if I sat through it again, but I do also recall that it's like three hours long. There's just so many other things I'd rather spend my time watching or doing. Yeah, buy a shelf and just put it on in the background. I don't. Where am I going to put a new shelf? Just buy You've a seen shelf. This place. Yeah. <laughs> buy a couch or something. We do need a new couch. Yeah. Well, there's the Patriot. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, you watch it again. But we've got to talk about probably, in my book, probably one of the most patriotic movies ever. And I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional, but let's talk about Independence Day. Yeah. ID4, if I'm correct, right? Wasn't that like the logo on the poster? Yes, it was. And I think it did come out exactly on 4th of July. That's good. That's good timing. Yeah. For sure it was that weekend. Okay. But God, this movie was fucking amazing. Like, it was released in 96 and marketed with the tagline... We've always believed we weren't alone. On the 4th of July, we'll wish we were. Super dramatic. For those unfamiliar, ID4 was a movie about aliens invading Earth and humanity fighting back against superior technology with one thing, the will to survive. We evolved that way. Yeah, I think Survivor and Journey, they were writing songs about the will to survive back in the 80s. Yeah, was the score even that good? I want to say yes, but when I'm thinking back to it, when I think about Independence Day, I think of... Four or five things. I think of, welcome to Earth. I think of, hey boys, I'm back! I think of, um, was it Bill Pullman, who was the president? Yes, I I think think so. I think about that whole whole speech he did with the microphone. um, You know, like, we'll fight back with everything we got on this, our Independence Day. You know, like that speech was just, it pumped me up, you know? Today isn't an American holiday. It's a human holiday. And it's like, oh, fuck. I don't know if the Brits would really, yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck these guys. Yeah. Those are the things I remember. I don't really remember much else if I'm being... Oh, I do remember Vivica A. Fox's ass. Like, in the first minute of that movie. Oh, yeah, she was a stripper. Yeah, yeah. And she he was, was a marine pilot. Uh-huh. And he couldn't be a NASA pilot because mm-hmm. he was dating a stripper. You know I what? I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that that's a rule. No. I think that they made that up. No. No, but that was a good movie. Man, I remember watching that movie as a kid, too. The like, Spectacle. 
I, I think if I remember correctly at the time, and maybe even today, it still probably holds records for um, the amount of miniatures. You just remember the scene of the space saucer flying over the White House yes. and just obliterating it. That was some shit to see. Well, okay, that, I always loved it because they played that scene in one of the Austin Powers movies. Like, <laughs> Dr. Evil's supposedly threatening them. And then he plays that in the background and they're freaking out. It's like the president and all his generals yeah. and shit. And then he's like, that was just a scene from the Independence Day. But the laser's very similar. And, <laughs> but that movie is like a like a huge cultural icon. And one thing about that movie that I think is crazy, because I know we brought up Will Smith earlier. And Independence Day is obviously one of his best films. It's not his film. Hmm. He is just, it's just a, like a... Um, he's not even the main character. It's Jeff Goldblum, isn't it? Yeah, but... Because he was the scientist who figured out... Yeah, but they, even he wasn't the main character because some people would mm -hmm. say the president might be, and it's like, I think the American people hope yeah. was the main character. Yeah, it really was, but that was like an ensemble cast, and oh, they yeah. killed it. They fucking killed that movie. I would even go so far as to say because I remember disaster movies like that, really because of yeah. the advancement in special effects and CGI and stuff, really took Independence Day was like just took that whole idea of a, of a disaster flick and really ran yeah. with it because there were things that existed in before uh, you know movies like that with you know earthquakes and things like that and they used a lot of really interesting filming techniques to give the illusion of a you know shaking camera thing like that oh, fuck this up <laughs> I think that Independence Day is responsible for the rise in what we know uh, to be disaster movies uh, because of course yeah. there were disaster movies in the past prior to 1996 but because of the advancement in special effects and CGI um, and even even some of the miniature buildings you know we saw like Star Wars for example is the first thing that comes to mind when I think about miniatures and um, all the interesting techniques that they used to paint you know they would like paint on canvas as the backdrop and then they'd have the actual physical miniatures in the yeah. foreground to create distance and all that stuff and they did a lot of the practical miniature effects in, in Independence Day but also just the advancement of special effects and computers um, really kicked off the whole golden age of disaster flicks because then you had I'm sure somebody's going to correct me, and I'm sure I'm probably wrong, but I'm pretty sure Volcano with James Earl, not James Earl Jones, um, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, and then Dante's Peak, they all came out around the same time, 96 or so, you had, um, those two came out in the same year, what, Dante's Peak and, uh, Volcano, Volcano, yeah, they were literally, I don't know what, I think it was 97, and I don't know why in 97 volcano tragedies were fucking... Everybody thought shit was blown up. Mount St. Helens disaster was just old enough for news. For yeah. Them. Like, okay, we can talk about people burning up now. Yeah. But, you know, Twister. We just covered Twister in the last episode or two episodes ago. You know, so disaster movies, because of the advancements, were really yeah. taken off. Like, they hit their peak where they're like, okay, we can do a lot more now to show the scale of global destruction and disaster. And, and then you had stuff like the world... Uh, not the world after what, what is it the day after tomorrow oh I love that movie it's not good but it's fun you don't think it's good no it's a terrible movie I love that movie it's so much fun though yeah I think that's what it is I think I, I take it for what it is and it's in my opinion it's one of my oh, it's favorite great. I just rewatched it not long ago yeah it's a yeah. lot of fun yeah um, what do you give Independence Day as far as patriotic 1 out of 10 9 out of 10 9, nine out, out of 10. 10 yeah because like I said it really does a good job of like yeah. um bridging all cultures and all peoples and that whole scene with Bill Pullman the president saying you know it's it's a human holiday and yeah. you're like okay I, I kind of get where you're going with that you're not okay you're being inclusive yeah sure you know yeah. Uh, Don't yeah. forget that you know I'm sure the native peoples of this land probably are kind of still rolling their eyes but hey alright <laughs> okay and as a movie 6 out of 10 damn man you're, you're tough I'm brutal yeah I was gonna say as a movie I would give it like an 8 out of 10 really yeah I love that movie and then I would give it as patriotic 10 out of 10. Because for some reason, I feel like that movie's so patriotic. Like, yeah. that's a 4th of July movie. And it came out that weekend. And Will Smith. And it, it really kicked off his career as far as, like, a like an action hero kind of actor. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the next year he did Bad Boys. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, like, that's fucking... And that just set him off. And Men in Black. And Men in Black. The very next year was Men in Black, yeah. Fuck. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Yep. So. Remember when they used to have the actors sing? Movie soundtracks used to really be fun. You cut a whole single just for a movie. I know they still do that. Like I think yeah. Adele won an Oscar not long ago for one of the James Bond movies, but it was, you know, that was an appropriate energy song for a James Bond film. Well, Whereas, Star Wars Born. 
Huh? A Star is Born, Lady Gaga. I can't remember anything from that movie. What the fuck? Okay, we'll talk about this later. But A Star is Born, like, that's got one of the best actor soundtrack Are movies. there boobs in it? Yeah. There's boobs in everything. Do you movie. get to see Bradley Cooper's ass in it? I'm not interested then. Oh, man, I don't remember. Have you seen Nightmare Alley? No. You get to see his ass in that. So it's the better movie. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so we covered aliens coming to Earth, making a big mess. But what happens when humans need to go into space and make an even bigger mess? Hmm. Are you talking about Armageddon? Armageddon, dude. I'm talking Bruce Willis, Benjamin Affleck, William Robert, Billy Bob to his friends, and we're all his friends, Thornton. Uh, a truly deranged cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, for those that, that don't know Armageddon, if you don't know Armageddon, shut off. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to be my fan. But if you don't know Armageddon, it was a movie about an asteroid the size of Texas, very specifically the size of Texas, because don't mess with Texas. And everything's bigger there, right? Everything's bigger yeah. in Texas. And it was about to impact Earth, Earth in less than a month. They only have one month to fucking stop it. And NASA decides that the appropriate response is to send this misfit team of deep core drillers to save the planet. Misfits. There you go. Uh, much better word than deranged. They were all very ranged. But fun movie. I mean, it really is another one of those movies that... It, what is it about these patriotic movies that they're always going for that heartstring kind of emotional reaction? You know, where you've got... The idea of unity. I, I feel like as Americans, we are so much more united in film than we ever could possibly hope to be in real life. It's just so easy to write a movie where everybody gets along and we're like, okay, we have our differences, but right now, the biggest threat to our planet and to our country yeah. is this asteroid. Oh, now you want to listen to the scientists. Okay. Yeah, now you're yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it's convenient for when you. When it's a slow death, but it's... Nobody Honestly, listens. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of right now? Armageddon and Don't Look Up are the same the same situation happening from two separate perspectives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got Armageddon where the, the actual pe people do believe in the scientists and the yeah. asteroids crashing. So they send these, these deep core drillers to go destroy the asteroid from the inside out. Meanwhile, you've got the more realistic approach of everybody else being like, there's, there's no asteroid. What are you talking about? I don't know. And if there is an asteroid... It's not a big deal. It's have, not going to destroy us. Have the us. owner of a tech company try and figure it out, yeah. and then we'll see what happens. We'll just wait it out. The scientists are just fucking... Yeah. They just die. They just don't care. No, I loved Armageddon growing up. This is one of my favorite movies as far as disaster... I love this movie as a disaster movie, and I still cry with Bruce Willis and Liz Tyler scene at the end mm -hmm. when he's got to make a choice and stuff. And He made the right one. He made he the right choice. Himself, yeah. And then right at the last second, so Billy Bob Thornton hit the button, and yeah. then... He sees his whole world flash before his eyes and shit. So, yeah, that's a great movie. I always thought it was funny as hell, though, the people they picked to, like, act in that movie. Mm -hmm. and you didn't have to be a great actor in those kind of movies, though. Not to say that they're not all great actors in their own right, but, you know, like, yeah. Ben Affleck has turned into a great actor, great director. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton, supremely underrated, in my opinion. Like, you even go back and watch something like Sling Blade, he was great in that. But he is great in the Fargo TV show. He is great in Bad The Ice Harvest. Yeah, I mean, he did... Hey, Bad Santa is one of my favorite yeah. Halloween movies. You know, it's great. It's hilarious. But you didn't have to really come into a, a disaster movie and act well. You just had to be able to sell it, you know? And now another thing I'm thinking of, which is just action movies were a lot of fun back then, too. Yeah. I don't even think about necessarily a, an apocalyptic movie like Armageddon or Independence Day. But remember The Rock with Nick Cage? Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. Well, to the, the Rock. The Hunt for Red October, you know? Yeah. These are, like, big action movies that... Again, huge, big A-list stars at the time, and they were just fun. I think we have a tendency to think about the 80s movies and the excess of the 80s, and we've talked about Predator in the last episode. Yeah. You've also got The Terminator. You've also got you know all those other kind of movies where they were big, huge explosions, And but I think the 90s action movies and the particularly the subgenre of apocalyptic movies were so much more fun. I really do. Yeah, because you think about the cast for... Dude... For Armageddon, Owen Wilson is in that cast. He He's a fucking just some random cowboy that the first time they show him, he's being chased by helicopters on a horse. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he dies. He doesn't. He barely lands on the asteroid and dies. My favorite line of that whole movie is um, when they can't get the spaceship, when they can't get the shuttle to turn on anymore, they can't get it to work, and the Russian goes down with the female pilot, and he's she's like, you don't know the components, and he's like, American components, Russian components, all made in Taiwan, <laughs> and that shit fucking stuck with me forever. That's another one with a good soundtrack, because wasn't Aerosmith 
Yeah. I don't want to close my eyes. Yeah, that's a great the soundtrack movie. to every middle school dance, the very last song of the night, you know? Yeah. yeah. Everybody get close. Yardstick close. Yeah. Leave, Leave room, room for, for Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But if we're leaving room for Jesus, that means that his ass and or dick is rubbing against somebody's... Yeah. Privates. This is a, there's not enough. Room. Unless he's standing, you know, hip to hip, yeah. which is also weird because then he's getting grinded on on both sides. Uh, I don't know about all that. Well, we're gonna bring it back to Earth for this next one, but we'll explore the friendly skies and the even friendlier volleyball court. Anthony, is it getting hot in here? It's not just you. We're talking Top Gun, a film about a hotshot Navy fighter pilot that breaks all the rules and still seems to make it into the best combat flight school the Navy has to offer, known by the pilots that train there as Top Gun. I thought for a while it was like, you've seen True Detective, right? Yes. Obviously, we're a, a movie, primarily movie-based show, but I've often wondered. I've watched all three seasons, and I know they're making a fourth season now. Okay. We've never learned who the true detective is, but in Top Gun, we learned who the Top Gun was. Yeah. Thomas Cruise. Well, technically, he he loses in Top Gun. But he wins the bigger Yeah, in the end, yeah. yeah. In the end, it turns out he really was the main guy. Yeah. Because Val Kilmer kind of takes it away from him in the school, but that's how you know... You know, street smarts are better yeah. than school smarts. Oh, yeah. Yep. A uh, lot of it filmed in San Diego. One of our yeah. claims to fame. You know, you can take the tour and uh, take the trolley tour around the city, and they'll show you uh, scenes where, oh, this is where Tom Cruise rode his motorcycle down the hill, and this is where they filmed some of the scenes on the... Yeah, yeah you know, pretty cool uh, to have that as a, um, you know, a little nugget of information to have when people come visit. I'm sure we take them around and say, hey, well, yeah, yeah, this is where he rides his motorcycle. Yeah, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but it's, it is a big deal. Um, that movie, for example, it could have been on our list for the best 80s movies as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, we just did that segment. But it, it is one of those movies that kind of pushed film forward as far as like action films too. The fact that they were using real fighter jets, the fact that they were like, they really pushed the limits. I mean, like he was really riding his motorcycle going super fast next to that fighter jet. And then, you know, the new one came out, and it was, apparently it was super great. I still haven't gone out and seen it, but yeah. it did it justice. And, yeah, that was like a cultural phenomenon. And for a lot of guys raised in the 80s, you know, they, you ask them what's one of their favorite action movies, and they'll say Top Gun. That's sure. my father-in-law's favorite movie. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's such yeah. a, yeah, he was such a cultural phenom, too, at that time, and, and never stopped. You know, the Scientology, again, never but, stopped. Sidebar, too, uh, I've always really loved Val Kilmer. Uh, I, I know he's had health problems. Oh, and it's yeah. kind of, you know, I, I hear in the new one they used a lot of the deep fake technology and the AI technology to kind of replicate his face and his uh, yeah. voice because he's, uh, you know, apologies for anybody who's super into him and knows everything about it and what's going on, but I, maybe a stroke, some sort of, some sort of paralysis or palsy or something where he can't well, speak he anymore. Answer. Yeah, he can't, yeah. Um, but I always felt he was just somebody who was never really appreciated. And he never really got to have that renaissance that we're seeing currently um, Brendan Fraser have. Where, obviously, Brendan Fraser's situation was much different. He was sort of blacklisted from society for yeah. not speaking out about his sexual assault. Somebody like Val Kilmer is solid in everything he's in. I don't think I've seen a movie with him in that I haven't enjoyed his performance. I thought he was a great Batman. Yeah. I may not have loved, you know, the movie... At Batman Forever as a as a whole in comparison to other, it was great. But he was a great choice for Batman. I always thought he was a very charismatic man, very handsome guy. You know, he was a very classically handsome guy, and he was built like a Batman. Yeah, 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 yep. Could you imagine somebody like '90s Val Kilmer taking the place of current day Christian Bale? Similar kind of energy, similar intensity, uh, similar build. Like, just imagine an alternate timeline where Val Kilmer played Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. It would have been incredible. I think he would have sold the shit out of it. What was the last big thing he did? The last thing I remember him seeing was uh, Kill the Irishman. He okay. plays one of the cops who's like friends with the Irish guy who's like the mob mm -hmm. Irishman. He was really great in that too. What else was he in? He his was... best role, in my opinion, his best role hands down, uh, in a little film called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And it upsets me every time I have to tell somebody who, what this movie is about because it's so extremely funny. It is Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. And this is a total sidebar, by the way, but yeah. just because any chance I have to talk about this movie, I will. It's so much fun. If you've seen The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and um, Russell Crowe. I think I know what you're talking about. It's like about. a 70s-themed detective story. Yeah, I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. 
It's the same, I believe it's the same director and writer. If not, it's just the same writer, but Shane Black, he did this movie in 2005. It's Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. And I think it was right before RDJ's kind of like renaissance. This is just a few years before Iron Man, you know, yeah. where he really took off. And Val Kilmer is a private investigator. And he plays a character named Gay Perry. And it is exactly as funny as you think it is. Like he, every line he has in this movie is just you talk about movies that are quotables like quotables are a big deal for you I'm shocked that you haven't seen this movie um, it's so much fun though as far as like a buddy comedy a dark comedy black comedy dramedy whatever you want to call it um, there's murder there's mayhem it's just it's filthy but a lot of fun you said kiss kiss bang bang kiss kiss bang bang yeah you gotta watch it yeah it seems like a movie that Val Kilmer always always did really well in a lot of movies he did and ah oh, man now that you mentioned I'm kind of sad about him yeah I hope he's doing well. Yeah, they just did the documentary about him. That was another thing I thought was interesting, is when I heard about that documentary, they had gone into, you know, the article I was reading about it, had gone into the fact that he's been recording himself all through his life for auditions and, you know, shows that he did on theater when he was younger, stuff like that. So the the documentary is pulled from all this footage he's been recording of his life for years and years and years. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. All right. And then, then, he, and then he hit, and he did Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah, we, we went on a little sidebar there, but yeah, everybody knows Top Gun. If you don't know Top Gun, go see Top Gun and go watch the new one. Even too. the parodies. Even the parodies of it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. I don't know. I seem to really enjoy it, and I think as far as patriotic, Top Gun's got to be 10 out of 10. In terms of patriotism rating? Yeah. 100% it's a 10 out of 10, and that also, I'm confident, has to do with the fact that when you... Not you, but like when a film is being produced and it's using military equipment like jets and ships and things like that it can only be used under the circumstances that it is in a positive light you're never going to see a movie that is speaking out negatively against the american military using their gear is never going to happen because the only way you can get that gear and the weapons and the vehicles and this you know stuff like that is by portraying the military in a positive light is that a for sure thing i'm almost positive that's a for sure thing i'm trying to think of like a patriotic like a movie that would seem patriotic, but it shows the military in a negative light. I'm thinking about Jarhead. Jarhead, okay. But I think it just shows both sides of it. Like, Hurt Locker, maybe? God, that's, those are good movies, too. I don't know if they're patriotic, because they're, they're kind of more sad than patriotic. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. Like, it always shows... To them. some degree, Brothers, with Toby Maguire, but he's not, like... It's not actively a war movie, because they're not in direct conflict necessarily where on the scale of Top Gun yeah. but it shows the you know debilitating crippling effects of PTSD yeah for sure maybe we gotta talk about that maybe That's we gotta talk about movies about, about military yeah. movies and stuff like that definitely alright but right now we're gonna talk about the ultimate American patriotism and we can't talk about it without covering the greatest battle of all time do you Mauro do you hear that it sounds like a Swedish man with a Russian accent what what happened is that, oh my god, is that, is that Dolph Lundgren? Is Dolph Lundgren versus Sylvester Stallone? The one and only, and the other one and only. <laughs> yeah. And then we're talking about Rocky Five, Following the victory of Rocky Three. Rocky against, Five. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's Rocky Four. Uh, yeah, and what happened to Rocky Five? I was thinking about Tommy Gunn. Oh, okay. Tommy Gunn only fights in the ring. Yep, yep. No, we're talking about Rocky Four, and uh, who doesn't love that movie? Fucking super patriotic. And it was right after... Because if you watch the movies, they're kind of like weirdly set up. Where in Rocky Three, he fights Clubber Lang, the Philly boxer. Oh, you you can't you got to put some respect on his name. The one and only Mr. T. Oh, Mr. T. Another one and only. I pity the fool. Yeah, he yeah, did. I fucking love them. You know what was interesting to me is that two things. One is that when he uh, was young, he didn't want to be this tough guy persona. He wanted to be a dancer. He wanted to be like a classically trained professional dancer. The second was that he really did pity the fool. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, and it's a great movie. And then it Rocky Rocky Three, the reason I bring it up is because it and the reason I wanted to bring it up because it sets up Rocky Four so well because he fights Clubber Lang in Rocky Three. He loses the first time, he's the champion, and then he has to, you know, work his way back and beat him again. And then he decides he wants to retire. Okay, because that's the whole part of Rocky Three is his retirement. And then he finally gets to retire in Rocky Four, and then, you know, Fucking Drago, the Russian fighter, you know, the Soviet Union's roided out fucking hero, decides to kill Apollo Creed in the ring, and Rocky's fucking thrown back into it, and he's gotta whoop some ass one more time, and this time, 
he's doing it in Mother Russia. And uh, yeah, now he's got to defend his friend, his honor, and good old United States of America. Yeah, our honor. We had so much honor to defend in 1985. It really was at the height, I believe, of maybe not the height of the Cold War as far as actual tensions went, but in terms of ultimate patriotism. Think about what was happening in 1985. Obviously, we weren't alive yet, but... You know, the internet is an excellent source of, you know, it's a time capsule, so you can go back and watch the commercials, you can go back and take a look at the movies, listen to the music, um, look at the news clippings, and the news, the things that were, you know, president speeches. We're talking about the war on drugs, Reaganomics, the Berlin Wall, the Olympics, the Miracle on Ice, which is another, you know, honorable mention, extremely patriotic sports movie. Yep. Um, This was, and, and even something like Hulk Hogan, wrestling. Remember Hulk Hogan running out to the ring with the American... I am a real American. Like, it was extremely cool to be all in on your country. Back then, yeah, maybe things weren't brought to light like they are now, so it's it's understandable, but... Well, I have a theory about the 80s and being so patriotic, and it's like... We might have talked about this before, but it's... Vietnam happens in the 70s, you know, 60s into the 70s. And people are super disillusioned with the United States. And then all of a sudden you get these hyper-patriotic movies. Ultra-conservative. Yeah, and this idea. And it's always like, um, especially in like Rocky IV, he he ultimately wins, right? He beats the shit out of this guy. And they show him as this hard-working, he trains in the snow with logs and stuff like that and chopping wood. And his opponent is on steroids with high technology and stuff like it that. It was exactly a, a metaphor for, or a one-for-one one for what supposedly was happening yeah. at the time within with the political tensions. You had uh, the industrious, hardworking, good old U.S. of A. doing things the right way, building yeah. American, chopping down logs and, you know, making steel. Yeah. And then you had Russia, who nobody knew what the hell was going on over there. You yeah. had the commies, you know, they're sharing everything and they're using their technology to build bombs and get to space we don't need them you know yeah and it was it was very very much like this obviously it was a shot on russia but then at the end he beats drago and then he's like we need to not be enemies and he gives like this very humble speech but it's after he wins Mm -hmm. and i'm like that's very american at the time even though it's a i like the film a lot like i love watching that movie and there's i think there's a robot in the movie in the beginning it's one of those times where they would put, like, random servant robots in movies. And now look at us. We're only a few years away from being servants to the robots. Yeah. Oh, can't wait. Please, take this free, please take this free will away from me. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it was during a time, like, I mean, we did just talk about the 80s, but you, you can't talk about the 80s with these hyper-patriotic movies. And good or bad, they were... I think they were very necessary for, like, a very dark time in America. The 80s were crazy. And, like, if you think about, like, I'm from L.A. and the 80s in L.A. were wild. Like, my my family lived in L.A. at the time when they immigrated. And it was a dark time, you know. And and, uh, you're from Jersey, and I'm pretty sure your family who would visit New York or whatever, like, Newark, New Jersey. Like, those places were dark in, in the 80s, so... A lot, yeah, of crime. Think, a lot of yeah. spillover from the 70s, yeah, especially. Yeah. But I think that there was a demand to go back to traditional... Fa- and we're still seeing this now, the, the demand yeah. to go back to traditional American family values and stuff. No crime, no drugs. Back when, you know, every neighborhood was safe enough to keep your door unlocked. And let's be honest here, that was that's never been the case for yeah. everyone. That's only been the case for the privileged. That's never yeah. been the case for everybody. People Any, have always had to lock their doors. Yeah. People have always had to worry about drugs. People have always had to worry about crime in lower economic areas. Yeah, that's never been the case as far as, like you said, outside of the rich. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know we're going a little off topic, but I think it's very interesting to see this. We just mentioned two movies from the 80s, and it, it is very real that... I'm trying to think of other patriotic movies, but... We mentioned Miracle. Miracle was a big one, but that's not from the 80s. Yeah, that's true. But still, like, it was that era in the 90s. Here, here's, a, here's a current one, then, or a, at least a more modern one. We were talking before we started recording about Spider-Man. The 2003, yeah. 2002, 2003, Tobey Maguire, the first Spider-Man movie. Um, Sam Raimi directed, of course. I think he might have even written some of the screenplay. I don't remember, but I do remember an interview with him or somebody related to the film saying that there's a bit in the movie uh, people who've seen it will remember 
Green Goblin gives Spider-Man an ultimatum. He says, you know, save the children or save Mary Jane, save your love. And he drops a, what do you call it? Like a, like a trolley, car. trolley car full of children on a field trip off a bridge, drops Mary Jane by herself off a bridge. And of course, the, the ultimatum is, do we choose the needs of the many versus the needs of the one? And as Spider-Man is ultimately trying to save both and have the best of both worlds and you know, be the hero that he, he believes he can be. Green Goblin's coming in and he's on that glider and he's coming in, he's gonna cut him in half with the glider and all of a sudden he starts getting pelted with trash. The camera cuts up to a bridge and it's just full of New Yorkers. Hey, you wanna mess with him? You mess with us! You know, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? Throwing trash at him. He's trying to save a bunch of little kids! And it, that, they, they, the filmmaker specifically said that particular moment of a few of them, but that one in particular was added for that sense of unity. Because this was maybe a year and a half, two years after 9-11, and everyone collectively was still in just this haze of not processing what actually happened. Yeah, definitely. Not processing that we were now in a war on terror, that we were sending tens of thousands of troops overseas to fight who? Well, you know what? And yeah, that's, we were ramping up to do that. Like, it was this very big push for, I wouldn't say, like, uh, to go back to imperialism. But it was like this, we have to, the enemy's there. And, like, at one point, we didn't even know what the fuck was going on. Like, they weren't telling us. Well, we wanted to go after Osama bin Laden, but then we somehow wound up going after Saddam yeah. Hussein. And, yeah. and, and it was, yeah, it was crazy. Especially with, like, movies like that. A lot of those movies in the early 2000s were very patriotic as well. Yeah, and there's that Spider-Man scene, like you said, where... He swings right onto the American flag. Yeah, at the very, at the end, very yeah. end. And then you had Hero play. Yeah. Fucking Nickelback. Nickelback, yeah. So... Chad yeah. Kroger, man. He was out there. And he's not even American. He's Canadian. Oh, my goodness. How could we let this happen? God. It's all been a sham, people. It's, it, well, yeah. It's I mean, the veil sham. is being lifted. It's been lifted, but it continues to be... And we were such big Nickelback fans that yeah. I can't believe it. I'll never listen it's to it It's our fault. Again. If you went and saw Spider-Man in theaters, you are partially to blame. Yeah, you're part of the problem. I don't know. I guess it's funny. It's become a meme in and of itself to dunk on Nickelback. But when you're that easy of a target, come on. You can't blame anybody for jumping in on it. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I, don't, they're not, I don't think they're that bad. I actually liked some of their songs back in the day. Like I liked them a lot at one point. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I just think I grew out of them. But I never thought it, they were that bad. It was just a, it was just a an error. Like I think we spoke about yeah. new metal in a previous episode, just very briefly about you know what do we think the trends that might come back. And I truly believe that we're starting to see it now. Some kid who was waiting for the bus a couple weeks ago before school ended had the big Jinko jeans. You remember? She yeah. was in a, she was in a Slipknot T-shirt and the big jeans that like covered your whole ass foot. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, I was so mad because she looked cool as fuck and yeah. I looked like a nerd. Yeah, we used to get beat for things crawled, like that. I so she may run. Yeah. My hands look like yeah. this, so hers <laughs> could look like that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Slipknot still slaps, though. Slipknot is still out there doing their thing, and they still kick ass. So. Oh, yeah, I fucking love them. Yeah. All right. Either way, I hope you guys enjoyed the peek into our vision of American excess and excellence. There is some excellence there. Yeah, it's not bad. You don't have to dig too deep, but... I'm not too proud of it lately. <laughs> nah. I just hope that anybody who listens to the show, if they haven't caught on already and if they don't know us personally, because uh, obviously we want to expand and, and get new listeners, and the primary idea of this show is to just have fun and share our memories and, and thoughts about you know film and film phenomenon, because it's something that does bring a lot of people together, but you get movies like this where propaganda is, you can't be ignorant of the fact that a lot of times a movie is trying to share an idea with you and you much like a song right we see this a lot in like the rock music that we, we listen to there have been a lot of stories coming out about lead singers who have been grooming young fans we even see with Drake you know somebody's biggest Drake grooming young oh, fans yeah. or you know doing inappropriate you know sexual harassment or stuff like that you have to be able to separate the art from the artist and say you know yeah this person did bad things but I can still appreciate the music right so you don't ever really know the intentions or you never really know the person behind a screenplay you never really know the intentions of a person who is writing a movie that seems like ultra propaganda because they could be getting influenced and saying yeah you gotta if you're gonna make this movie about a navy jet fighter you know who's yeah. defeating all the odds you have to make the united states military this is going to be a two and a half hour long recruitment video for the navy you know yeah exactly so you don't ever really know so take it for what it is enjoy it be able to separate the art from the artist and just 
try not to get wrapped up in, in all the bullshit and the ideology. Yeah, don't forget these are movies. They're movies. We love them. We, we think they're fun. We, we, I don't not root for America in these movies, but, but at the same time, they're just movies. Like, it's almost easier to watch the movies and root for the America that existed when those movies came out. Yeah, or the America in those movies. Like, it's never going to be like that. You know, you could watch, you know, honorable mention Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan was an amazing movie, and it's it honestly is one of the best war movies of all time. But the reality is they were like, you have historians who go back and watch that movie, and they're like, well, it was pretty inaccurate of the fact that, like, there was entire black companies and Mexican-American companies, and, and uh, there was, like, a whole Mexican fighter squadron, like, pilots and stuff like that who fought in the war, and... Call of Duty told us there were Nazi zombies. They were they, oh yeah they for were sure reanimating them. In. But that's the thing. Like you, you almost you forget. Like you forget that these movies are just movies, and they're trying to show one story and one side of the story. And like nothing's perfect. Like yeah, like I said, Saving Private Ryan is a great movie. It was nineteen forty. It was in the nineteen forties. America was not a great place for everybody to live. You know. So again, just look at the movies for what they are root for the America in that movie, even though, despite what's going on right now. I think that that can be said for the United States as a nation, too, is like always, and I think that's what continuously comes up, is always root for the America that we could be. Yeah, exactly. That we know we have the capacity to be. It's really, really difficult and frustrating and exhausting to continue to wake up and fight these battles every day. Yeah. But what other option do you have? Yeah, we live here. And I know it's easy for people to just stick their, th- you know, stick their nose up at us and we'll get out of here. But that's just not that's just not a reality for a lot of people. You know, I've I've read stories of people who are actively trying to, you know, be expat patriots to you know Canada or to Europe or whatever. And this shit costs thousands and thousands of dollars. This is another example of privilege, where you have to pay for immigration visas and you have to pay for flight out to the country to find. Like you can't. In most cases, you can probably house hunt online, but I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't rent an apartment in the next city over online without seeing it in person. So who's really, if you can imagine doing that in the yeah, country, buying exactly. a house in another country, like, no, you have to book a flight to go out there and go house hunting and to invest time and lodging so you can stay there for a week or two while you're house hunting and, you know, all that stuff. Like, that's tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars to just leave. You can't, you can't just pick up and leave. Somebody told me this analogy. My dad, I'm pretty sure my dad told me this, and he's an immigrant to this country, but he's like, look, this is your country. He goes, if you lived in, if you had a house and your house was falling apart, would you just abandon your house? It's like, no, you'd want to do everything you could to fix it and to make it a nice house. That's how I feel about America. Like, I don't want to abandon America. I'm here, you know, there, we are lucky to be living in a country where there are opportunities, whether you start farther back than other people, but... There are countries that you don't have opportunities, you know? Like, we could look at Europe and be... I've got cousins in Europe, and I look at them and, like, wow, they're living the life, but they could be saying the same about me. Or I've got cousins in Mexico who they they want to move here, and I understand why they want to move here, but it's not what they think it is. They just know it's better than where they're at. Right. So, like I said, we I don't know if I love this country, but... You know, we appreciate for what it's done and stuff like that. We just want to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. And those opportunities that you're talking about, to me, they don't count unless they extend to every single person. Yeah, exactly. To every person. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal in the end. And I know we're talking about patriotic as fuck movies, but we want everybody to feel like a patriotic movie and feel like yeah. this fucking place is the shit. Yeah. And I, I mean, to me, this kind of where you and I stand politically and ideologically that is patriotism. Being able to stand up and be like, these Congress people are fucking stupid. These senators are stupid. The president's an idiot. Yeah. I'm not just going to sit here and take it. I'm not going to roll over and take it and say, yeah, yeah, they know what's best for us or they have the best intentions in mind because they don't. Because we're still being ruled by people who are in their 80s and 90s and they're making decisions that they're not going to see come to fruition in 10, 15 years, you know? Oh, people hate it. I'll tell people at work that are older, I'll be like, hey, man, I think you shouldn't be allowed to vote in the next five years. They're like 55 years old. I'm like, I think the cutoff age is 50. And they're like, why wouldn't I be allowed to vote? I'm like, because you're voting like a 60-year-old. Like, you want something that's not real or you're about to be retired. So those are my opinions. I don't think you should be able to vote or run for office after 65 years old. Retirement age. you got to retire from everything, motherfuckers. I think we should lower some of the ages to run for office, too. I think for most cases, it's... You know, 35 to run for president. It's, what, 28 
thirty for you know Senate or or Congress or whatever. Yeah, I know um, for local offices it's different. Like local office, you can be a mayor at yeah. eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just mean in terms of like being a legislator. Why are we still putting? Yeah, like I said, why are we still putting this responsibility? And I think you and I, or at least I know Cheyenne and I, just were talking uh, not long ago about somebody like Joe Biden, the president. This man should be enjoying like the twilight of his years. He was 78, 77, pretty up there. You know, we, yeah. in terms of like health, we could say, oh, 77 is still pretty young. You know, you still have plenty of time to do stuff, to relax and enjoy yourself. Why the fuck are we letting this man handle the most stressful responsibility in the free world? Yeah, and it yeah exactly like and I think it's a not it's not surprising it might be surprising for people listening that we would take a shot at Joe but let's be real man the guy is he's not with it like I was by no means a Trump fan like I did not like him I did not vote for him fuck him I catch him on the block but Joe Biden is not a great choice when you have other options like now if you look at all these other senators and stuff like that whether it's Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi they're up there too. They're fucking up there. They need to get out of here as well. They can sit and spin too for all I care. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for listening as always. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to keep up on what PGF is up to, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at PGFpod. You can also reach out to us at PGFpod at gmail.com. Let us know uh, if you're enjoying the show, if there's something you'd like us to cover in the future, or if you want to just get into an argument with us, um, let's hear it. You know, As Mauro said last episode, we want the smoke. We can handle it. And if you are following us on your podcast platform of choice, hey, consider leaving a review. You know, it helps us reach a wider audience. And it's just really nice to know, really nice to know you're enjoying the show. Join us for our next episode where we air it all out. We're talking about the movies that we don't usually like talking about with other people because we might be a little embarrassed. Don't miss out. Me and Anthony admitting shitty movies we actually love to watch. Next up is Guilty Pleasures. There's nothing shitty about bringing on. I fucking love that. <laughs>